0: Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. Today, Mike, another full-length episode. Yeah. It's a great Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, we've got an episode that has been a long time in the planning. We do about one of these a year. (laughs) (laughs) When we we can.
1: Yeah, yeah. When we can. If we don't have a guest on. And luckily, lately, we have had some epic guests on. Some epic episodes. Uh, We've been on The Bourbon
0: Road. I think we're the only... podcast that does that yeah get out there get to traveling see people where they work yeah talk to them when they're doing their business and well not literally doing their business but well, yeah some of them are well oh. i meant not going to the bathroom oh though. no not that kind of business <laughs> good lord good lord jim good lord all right well anyway so mike today we have listener questions we do
1: uh a lot of listeners a lot of our roadies from our private facebook group have asked questions of us so i was like hey let's do an episode about these questions that we could just keep getting um and you know lo and behold i got a bunch of questions so
0: are they going to stump us today
1: maybe there are some questions so though, you
0: didn't filter them out at all there's this is as they came
1: yeah as they came I'm. i'm gonna we're gonna answer them all right. But what are we drinking first thing in our
0: glass, Jim? So today we've got the uh, Old Fitz, Old Fitz nine year. And this is uh, the 2020 spring release, I think. So this is the bottle and bond in the um, decanter bottle. Yeah. And I haven't had this in a minute. This is an epic bottle
1: from an epic friend to uh, Adam Boothby. He's a great friend. No matter what, um, but probably our number one listener, uh, moderator of our Facebook group, um, he also writes reviews for us, puts them up on our Facebook page or our, our website, um, and I I love that. He, and he went to the distillery
0: and got a bottle for you. Is that where he got it from? Yeah, yeah. He he is a hell of a friend. Yeah, that's a, that's a friend for you. It, yes, it is. So the nine year bottle and bond. So that's so. Let's talk a minute about the the. um the old fits bottle and bond it's a twice a year release spring and fall the proof point never changes because it's a bottle and bond but the years of age do yeah it usually varies somewhere between nine and 14 years of age well what do you think i like about it the most jim
1: it's a weeded bourbon. (laughs) hell yes i love it um it is uh, delicious. I'm already drinking it. I just can't. I can't. I can't take it.
0: Well, we've got listener questions to get to. We're not really reviewing the bourbon today. We mm. just wanted everybody to know what we're drinking on. Yeah. And Mike, I certainly appreciate you breaking out the good stuff today for this for this episode. We've got a, a really special bottle for the second half.
1: We do. And listeners, if you listen into the very end, just because me and Jim... Doesn't mean we don't have a giveaway. We do have a pretty cool giveaway today. I think it's cool. Very unique giveaway. Unique, and it has a great cost. So, listeners, pay attention uh, to the very end, and we'll, we'll hook you up. So, Jim, this first question comes from Tom. I'm going to say Cohen. I apologize if I'm going to mess your name up. I'm not good with uh, pronouncing people's last names. Um, but Tom ask, for Jim, what's your favorite weeded bourbon or weeded whiskey?
0: My favorite weeded whiskey, or wheated bourbon. It doesn't matter either way, right? Wheat whiskey or wheat bourbon. And that's a tough question, Mike, because there are there are a few that stand out in my mind. The one in my glass right now <laughs> is is pretty darn near the top of the list. Uh, so the Old Fitz bottle and bond would definitely be a contender. The Legends weeded bourbon out of Georgia. So another one oh, hey, that I really yeah. like. That's super nice, super nice bourbon. And one more. Let me give one more honorable mention. So then I would say the rebel tenure is probably my number three. Those are uh three pretty
1: epic weeded bourbons. That's me saying that. Uh
0: and I, you know, and I've left out a few that are pretty like major, like Makers Forty Six Cask and some other things like that, but I got put on the spot here, so I had to <laughs> I had to come up with an answer. So of those three, who's going to take the cake? Hmm. I'd say what we
1: got in our hand right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: spring or fall release of the old Fitz Bottle and bond. Yeah, it just depends on the release in the year, but um I would say in general, I love that one because it's always a surprise when it comes out.
1: Out of out of those three, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. So he also asked. Is he said it's been well documented on the show that you're a big wild turkey fan. I said that's understated, Tom, that he's a big wild turkey fan. You have no idea. Um I think I next week I'm gonna see him act like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> 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 hint hint uh, for an episode. But so Jim, outside of the standard expressions, what has been your favorite wild turkey bottle you have gotten to try in your lifetime?
0: So there there's two. So one one would be um, contemporary issue, like something that comes out recently or within the last five years or so would be the Decades bottle.
1: Oh, yeah. Hell that's, of a bottle. that's
0: definitely near the top of my list. But probably it's going to be a Dusty. It's going to be a Dusty Turkey, probably an 80s era, 81-101, maybe a CGF. You know, um, possibly the the late 80s beyond duplication export. So, beyond the, b- between those three, the decades, and then the three dusties, I'm going to go with a 1981 Wild Turkey 101 Dusty. Even though the beyond duplication and the CGF are both phenomenal, uh, that's what I'm gonna go with.
1: I I man, some great, great, great bottles there. Um Tom asked me what what's my favorite rye bourbon or rye
0: whiskey. He's playing the opposites game here, isn't he? Oh yeah. He, I mean he, <laughs> he
1: he wrote it right, Jim. Yeah. Um probably my favorite rye bourbon, man. That is tough. That is real tough. Rye whiskey though. Um it's always that newest thing that we've gotten to try, right? It's kind of growing on you a little bit. Isn't yeah, it? but I do got some favorite rye. The rye out of Frey Ranch out in Fallon, Nevada. Yeah. Pretty badass, right? That was good stuff. Yeah. Um, Leaper's Fork Rye is pretty special to me. Not just because the team down there is so badass, but the whiskey itself is just delicious. It's it's candy-like. Yeah. Um, and then the rye whiskey that we t- tried from Laws, I thought was pretty amazing. That was good. It was seven years, yeah. seven years old. yeah Yeah, um, rye bourbons. You know, I, I people think that's all I drink's weeded, and that's that's not true at all, right, Jim? No, you do. You well, no, you drink a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, I got plenty of bottles of rye bourbon. Um, man, I you know I like Buffalo Trace. I do it just, it's a good standard drinker and stuff. Um, I like the flavor of it. Um, Woodford doubled Oak. You know, I'm a big, big fan of that. Cause it's chocolatey. You like uh, those toasted barrel finishes. Don't you? I do. Mixture's toast. Mixture's <laughs> toasted. Uh, I'm a big fan of, so those are my rise. I guess I would stick to is that Woodford, um, that, uh, Miktor's toasted. I, I really like those. Big big fan of those. And then Buffalo Trace is just a good. I like the story. I like buffaloes. You know, that kind of goes with my Native. American you want to ride Irish. a buffalo? I do want to ride a buffalo. Uh, there's photos out there, people. <laughs> uh, I tried to get Jim to pull over on the side of the road. We saw one one day, and I was like, "Let me ride that thing, Jim." They, <laughs> everybody's like, "Keep driving, Jim. <laughs> just keep driving." Uh, so that's, he's he's actually got a question for both of us. He's got a whole bunch of questions uh, for both of us. What's your favorite bottle in your collection that
0: can't be replaced? This must be the bottle that I'm sad to see go empty, right? Because I know that's it. That you can't get it anymore. It's going to have to be a pick I was on. I think I'm, I'm going to be sad to see the Kraken bottle of Weller Full Proof. Pour its last drop. Wow. I, I would
1: agree with you on that one. Uh, I have a bottle on my shelf of that. But the bottle I'm going to be sad to see go is another pick. Um, is the Old Elk. Uh, it's a weeded bourbon. It's from the Nashville uh, Bourbon Society down there. Um, Just one of my favorite bottles. I love the label. I loved everything about it. I love the whiskey inside of it so much so that somebody came over the other day and they were like can we drink some of that and I was like no um I got a little bit left and I hated to say that but I'm going to You don't
0: say no very often not
1: yeah it's very rarely that I'll say no to a pour but that's one of the pourers that I said no to if if you came over I I said yeah go ahead have at it but um yeah that's one of the bottles that it was like one of my first picks I'd bought and stuff, and I, I'm not big on buying picks. you know. So,
0: I, so, you and I both answered that question with picks. Mm-hmm. So, picks are bottles that when they come and they're special, you're sad to see them go because you know it can never be duplicated. Unlike, you know, if you were to get a bottle of Michter's toasted bourbon at barrel strength, that's a great bottle, right? Everybody loves it. But you know good and well if you had to have another bottle. You can get it.
1: Yeah. I mean, anything. But with it, a pick, you can't. Anything at if I think if if we wanted a bottle bad enough, we know some people that may be able to help us out to get one.
0: But what I'm saying is they're making more bottles in that profile. Right? Yeah, the yeah. Single yeah. barrel
1: pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One more question from Tom. Uh, he asked, are you a regular listener, a watcher of other spirits related podcasts, YouTube channels?
0: Absolutely, yes. So, uh, my number one other podcast that I listen to is Dad's Drinking Bourbon. I do listen to others. Uh, this is my bourbon podcast, Perry. I like that one as well. Now, YouTube, Jason, Mash and Drum, Chad and Sarah for Bourbon Night. Man,
1: some great, great uh people there every one of them i'd have to agree with you on podcast about dads uh john and zeke are just fun to listen to there's no bullshit coming out of them they're just two uh good dudes out there some other podcasts that i listen to i got a longer commute to work than you do jim
0: yeah mine, mine's about 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm listening
1: to the bourbon life a little bit angel shares uh angel share um, a new podcast out there, Bourbon Lens. I listen to them every once in a while. Um, I was trying to think of other podcasts. That's it. I'm kind of selective on those. Real, real selective, I guess. Uh, YouTube channels. I don't get to watch that much YouTube at all. Um, I have been watching TikTok and uh, Bourbon Bibs, uh, Bib. Bib and Bourbon is a guy out there. I've been watching on TikTok. He's funny as hell. I like him. He's just in a pair of bib overalls and he's talking about whiskey and he doesn't take himself seriously. Um basement Rick House. Yeah, basement Rick House, uh on TikTok too. Um, they are out of Frankfurt. Uh, a great TikTok to watch. Um, man. I watched a little bit of Instagram too. Um, I like to watch um Urban bourbonist yeah, on there. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great guy on there. Uh, UK House of Bourbon or House of Bourbon UK. Um, I like to watch him because he's always full of energy and stuff. He doesn't really do lives. He just does his videos. Boy,
0: well, he gets so excited when he opens a package, doesn't he? He does. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's our show, Tom. Tom, we you did it right. Uh, you know, I, I'm very thankful that he asked us that many questions. That was great. So Abby's got a question for us, our good friend Abby. Abhi. Now Abby's poured a little bourbon for us, hasn't he? He has, he has. He's he's poured a lot of bourbon for us. Um, great friend of the show. Um, if you get to meet Abby, uh, feel lucky it, that you're in his presence. He's a great man. Uh, so he asks, which distillery expansion are you most excited about for in 2022?
0: So does distillery expansion in, include you know? Building a new distillery as well. hmm Um, I'm looking forward to Horse Soldier.
1: Man, that's a that's that's me hard to beat, Jim. I can't even think of I mean Heaven Hill was doing a bourbon expansion again, or they're building a new distillery. Um Old Al's building one. Yeah. God dang. And I there's some I know about, but I can't say anything about. Uh, I know some distilleries are getting built, but they haven't been announced yet. Um, I'm excited about EJ Curley that we did a review on. Sure. Because they're digging up that bourbon history. Um, I really love the history part of bourbon. Um, And that building of a distillery, like you said, is super exciting. Um, Bluegrass Distillers. Yep. Uh, Building a distillery. That's what we're excited about. Sure. I think we get to see bourbon expansions. You know, it's nothing for Buffalo Trace or um, Heaven Hill, Wild Turkey. Um, Arstown Bourbon Company. seems like they're always expanding, putting up brick houses left and right here and there. They're doing all kinds of great stuff down there. They got the money to do that kind of stuff. Um, Little Trail. Yeah. Jim Beam. Heck, man. What? It, everything's got a fresh coat of paint down there, but it's not surprising to see those companies um, take a little pride themselves. And and uh, now everybody, I'm going to take a break here. Jim's out of whiskey, so I'm pushing the birthday bourbon to him because I know he loves it. Oh,
0: you you left the cat <laughs> out of the bag. Second half whiskey was broken.
1: we didn't make it to the second half yet. That's <laughs> all right. That's the bourbon expansions uh, uh, we're excited about. James Husband um, asked – now, this is a tough question, James. Man. And trust me, it. our schedules are so full, but I'll go ahead and bring the question out. When will the next Bourbon Road pick come out?
0: August the 6th.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we do have a pick we went on. Yeah. So, August 6th, uh, a pick's coming out. Actually, two picks, Jim. Yeah. Um, with the Southern Whiskey Society from Made South, right? That's right. Our good friend down there. Chris Thomas. Yeah. Great podcast, too. If you haven't checked him out, one of your
0: favorite podcasts, It right? is. He hasn't had any episodes in a while, but I tell you what, it, you just go back and listen. If if you're a foodie and you love bourbon, oh, man, it's a great podcast. So, Jim and I will be at that event. Uh, you want to come
1: to that event. There's going to be two great picks there. But I think we're gonna do a pick maybe that morning that will possibly be released at Bourbon on the Banks. Yay! Um, there's still some stuff to work out with that, but you know, James is Jim will tell you we're both like just monster busy. Uh, two jobs, two different wives. We gotta make sure we keep happy, right? Who
0: have jobs as well? Have
1: jobs. <laughs> uh, we both got farms we got to take care of um it's not that we don't want to do a pick it's just I think it's timing and um waiting till some of the laws got changed too would you agree with that james I would say so
0: because you know now in Kentucky things are changed a little bit and uh distilleries are allowed to allocate 30 percent of their barrels that are set aside for private barrel picks to be released straight out of the gift shop without having to go through the three-tier system. So, in other words, the Bourbon Road can organize a pick with Distillery A and uh, pull up in our truck and load everything up in the back of the truck. It's the way to do it, right, Mike? Yeah, I,
1: I think we're, we're close to doing another pick. The Leapers Fork pick is just because we're going to be down there and they're great friends and, you know, um People have been bugging us about a weeded bourbon, um, but that weeded bourbon probably could come out of Tennessee.
0: Yeah, it could be. <laughs> it could be. So if you're coming to Bourbon and Beyond in the fall, make sure you uh, leave some room in your suitcase. Take some bottles back with you because the rules have changed.
1: There's going to be some great picks there for Bourbon on the Banks, too. Um, and hopefully we're on one of those. Um, our last pick, me and Jim, we agreed
0: on – The pick, totally. Yes, we did. And and we agreed with Chris as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there was more than just us three. Yeah. There was a whole
1: crew. (laughs) There was a whole crew down there. We had a great time. Uh, But check out that event. Buy your tickets today. Jim and I will be down there. We'll have our gear with us. We might cut an episode down there. I think we might pull up our chairs on stage and record an episode. Heck,
0: yeah. Um, So that's that question right there. Let's go on to the next question. By the way, we've got uh, the twenty twenty one old Forester birthday bourbon in our glass. Just just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great bourbon. Wow, that's wow, uh that's a, a pal right in a, right in the palate, right in a
1: kisser. All right. Doug Keller's got a question for us. Doug's asking, what's been each of your favorite people you've met through the show?
0: Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. Okay, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to cheat on this one like I have on everything else. <laughs> I'm going to give my top three. All right. All right. In no particular order. Peggy, no Stevens. Steve Coombs. Lisa Wicker. Wow. That's that's hard. To now, now, that's hard for me, too, because... I could very easily make that list 50 people because are yeah. there's they're some really cool people, but those are the first three that came to mind, and usually your first answer is the right one, so I'm going to go with all three of those, but. Uh, it's not bad. It's great. It's yeah, yeah. great people. Great people. Um, I should say who's who, right?
1: So yeah, in just In case people yeah. don't know
0: who they are, so Peggy No Stevens, the first female master taster. Queen of bourbon. Queen of bourbon. No yeah. doubt about it. Uh Steve Coombs, author. Uh bourbon. He's he knows so much about bourbon. And 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 he knows an awful lot about country hams. He does. But he's got a lot of books out. You wanna check him out. And then uh Lisa Wicker, she's the master distiller for Widow Jane. Uh, we've kind of struck up a little bit of a friendship with her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go a totally different route. <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> totally
1: different rap so my first person jim would have to be you um the the show that i got on um we've morphed into something bigger but the guy that walked up to me in a bar and said you're drinking bourbon what do you know about bourbon struck up a conversation struck up friendship um oh shucks <laughs> you know the show wouldn't be what it is without you and and without you asking that question, you Mm -hmm. know, if you'd have never taken that chance and you're not the guy that comes up and talks to people either.
0: I'm definitely not. So we just happened to be sitting next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, Had you been across the room, it might've never happened. Adam Boothby. I
1: know I mentioned him before. Um, I consider Adam a great friend, um, a confidant. Um, It's something whiskey. will bring you together. Right. Um, I remember when we first started, I, <clears throat> I remember you saying, hey, this whiskey person's coming over to my house. And I was like, man, you don't even know that guy. And next thing you know, I'm inviting Adam to my house and staying in my house and <clears throat> my wife said he could be an axe murderer or something or a murderer. And I was like, nah, I'll be he, all
0: right. <clears throat> he didn't bring his axe though, did he? Well, he'd have had to have more than an axe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Adam's just Adam. He's a great guy. He's got his own life and stuff down in Chattanooga, but I know that he would love to live up here in Kentucky. Um, and I got to add two more guys that, to that is uh, Drew Allen from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, has become a great friend. Uh, if I'm in Memphis, I'm going to have to stop and see Drew. Um, and I've called Drew on several occasions, and um, I've offered both those guys opportunity to be guest hosts uh, when you were around it just didn't work out. And then Jason Waller is a veteran like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a guest of the show, uh, and he's a moderator too. And I think those three guys right there uh, with you, to me, I've felt an honor to meet. Um, and I had to say those three names. With well, that, I, I feel we wouldn't do them just
0: if we did. That's pretty awesome, Mike. Yeah, we we definitely took that in different directions. So I I just assumed the question was <laughs> what guests you know and you you actually had you thought about that a little bit
1: well we've had all three of those have been guests on the they show they have been that's true Absolutely they have now if you were asking me who my f- favorite distillers or you know if we had a distiller on and stuff um,
0: or different guests than our moderators <sighs> Uh, it's hard because we've got two hundred and seventy some odd episodes, Mike. The last episode I did that uh, was pretty awesome. Jane and Denny
1: um, I felt like I was with my brother and sister with them too um another episode I, you know i I love music. I'm just mm-hmm. the biggest music nut. I just I mean you've had some great music discussions, uh but Taylor Austin die. yeah she chunk back whiskey like nobody's business with yeah, us. Yeah man.
0: No apologies there. She nope. just she threw it back.
1: And she got she got a set of pipes on her. She just seen. Yep. Um and then one other person that I feel a great friendship with, uh, he's always done us right. He's made Tennessee a home to us is a uh, Matt King. There you go. You know. Yeah. I know that's more than 3 or even 1, but uh, uh, you that that's a hard question.
0: And 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 folks if if you've been a guest on the show or you're a friend of the show and we didn't mention your name it's it believe me it it's nothing bad it's just there's so many there's so many uh we just had to we had to come up with a few, right? Yeah, heck yeah. Well, are we up against the break, Jim? I think we're at the first break, Mike, and we're already into the second half bourbon here. So <laughs> we, might, we,
1: have we might have to add a
0: third bourbon, too. We might <laughs> have to add a third bourbon. So, all right, folks, stick around. We come back. More uh, birthday bourbon, more something else bourbon we don't know yet, and more listener questions. Yeah. Man,
1: Jim, you know what I've really been enjoying lately? Oh, you're going to tell me. Some of that seldom seen farms maple syrup that's been aged in bourbon barrels.
0: It is absolutely delicious, not only in a cocktail, but you can cook with it, right? You can. You absolutely can. Now, Mike, Kevin just sent me a new shipment. So I got a little bit more. And I've been making some beef jerky lately. Really? Yeah. Now I know you're the meat master. <laughs> but, but I I tried my hand at it. I said, "You know, I want to make some beef jerky." And I've got a pretty decent beef jerky recipe. And it's got a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, those kind of things. But I always put brown sugar in it. Well, this time Kevin sent me a bottle of his granulated maple sugar. Wow. And I decided that I was going to substitute the maple sugar for the brown sugar. Oh, game changer. Let me tell you. Total game changer. Total game changer. Some of the best beef jerky you've ever had. So I'm going to make another batch here in in about a week, and I'll be sure to get you some.
1: Man, that that sounds delicious. Vivian took, and we just got an air fryer like most people got these days, right? And uh, she took and soaked fresh pineapple in that maple syrup and then put it in the air fryer and it kind of crisp up a little bit. Oh, sounds Uh, good. It was just magically delicious. Um, And people probably wonder why we love it so much. Kevin competed in the Maple Festival uh, last year, 2021, and he was named Grand Champion. Uh, That's saying something.
0: So, seldom Seam Farms, Grand Champion, of the 2021 Maple Syrup Festival.
1: Yeah. What's, wow. That's saying something. Yeah. You're going up against some heavy hitters in maple syrup. And I know we're, we're talking about just the syrup, but um, you know that's something to be proud of. Uh, hats off to you, Kevin, for winning that. Kevin's also uh, competing in a couple other competitions. Make sure you check out his website. Check out his social media on Instagram and Facebook. You won't be uh, disappointed. If you want to buy something from him where can they
0: go jim you? you can go to seldom maple.com and kevin and his crew they've got a great website very easy to navigate they have got all their products on there you can buy their maple syrup by the bottle you can buy by the case uh you can buy that sugar oh my goodness mike that stuff is so good uh, and they've got some other gift sets there too. So you definitely want to check it out. Well, he, he's also going to be in
1: some distilleries pretty shortly here. Um, some distilleries from that I love and I know you love. He's going to be down at Leaper's Fork. Um, you can find his syrup down there, aged in their barrels. Treaty Oak down in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, I was just out there. His syrup's going to be there. Awesome. Um, and in Garrison Brothers in Texas. If you think that. Uh, you love some maple syrup, make sure you go into Garrison Brothers and pick up a bottle from them also. Uh, Kevin, appreciated. it. Uh, I know he, he loves people. You're supporting a local farmer, a local product, a small family. This is no factory place that's putting out maple syrup, right, Jim? This is a good man doing good work. Yeah, gotta love it. Well, make sure you check out his site, like Jim said, seldomseenmaple.com. Pick up a bottle today.
0: All right, we are back. This is our 2022 listener questions episode, and Mike and I have been sipping on some pretty nice bourbons today. Uh, In the first half, we had a nine-year-old Fitz Bottle and Bond in the decanter. Beautiful spring 2020 release. Late in the first half, we opened up the uh, old Forster 2021 Birthday Bourbon. i still got a little bit in my glass. How are you doing?
1: I got enough to start the show with. Start okay, the we'll start half. the show.
0: And then here in a little bit, we won't say what it is yet, but here in a little bit, we'll crack this other bottle, which is also pretty special. For all those haters out there. <laughs> For all those haters out there.
1: There's not much left in this birthday bourbon bottle. Uh,
0: no, but but savor it, Mike. And it, I have su- shared the hell out of this bottle. It's a really, really good bourbon. I mean, it's really good. Very complex. Very bold. Um, you could sit and drink on this and talk about this for hours. It's got so much going on. So, the first question for the
1: second half comes from Adam Boothby. Oh, Adam. So, Adam Boothby sent us a question, Jim. The market continues to be flooded with NDPs. That's non-distilling producers for all you new listeners out there, especially when you watch the TTB. What's that stand for?
0: Uh, That's the people who approve the labels for the bottles. Yeah. They got a website,
1: he said, for new products coming soon. Maybe time to the discussions around labels, so folks can try to be informed.
0: Well, heck, let's take this this uh, label we got right here, right now, right? So the 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 twenty twenty one birthday bourbon. Yep, green label. They they put the proof on here.
1: I mean, yep. that's by law. You have to put the proof. This is a hundred and four proof. They also put the. Alcohol volume on there, um, which would be half of the proof, right? Right. Um, where this is distilled, um, so this is actually distilled and bottled by Old Forester still distilling company in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Very transparent. Yeah, it's
1: straight up. Uh, what they're not going to give you on the label is though with the mash bill, the
0: mash bill, right?
1: Um, but make sure you read your labels. Uh, Especially because they'll put on the very back of it where it's distilled, where it's bottled at. That distilled part matters, right?
0: That's right. It absolutely does. Because, you know, in the case of a non-distilling producer, uh, they may be located in Kentucky. They may be a Kentucky distillery who's actually getting their liquid from Indiana.
1: Well, let's talk about a couple of those. So, you got Fourgate, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they don't distill their liquid. They buy it. Old Carter. Mm -hmm. Both of them have bought Tennessee and they both bought, um, Indiana whiskeys. So that's just folks out there. If you look at a brand, make sure you're reading the back of the label, making sure you know where it comes from. Um, this right here says 12 years. Age 12 years. Yep. Is that a big thing?
0: Well, no, it's just more information for the consumer. Um, now, 12 years on a bottle doesn't mean that the liquid is actually 12 years. It just means the youngest liquid in that bottle is 12, 12 years. years. Yeah. And in the case of a birthday bourbon, we can probably be pretty sure there's some older bourbons in there. Yeah, you'd hope so. That 12 year is the youngest. There's probably some 14s or 16s in there mm-hmm. to give it that depth and that that boldness that it carries uh and it, it's a blended bourbon right it's blended with multiple barrels from multiple seasons and multiple uh Rick House locations in order to get this profile and it takes that's an art right there it's an art it absolutely um, is and
1: you know denny and jane uh, last week talked about that about how the master blender at distilleries has kind of risen right up there to the level of a master distiller, right?
0: Yeah, so they've always been um, very notable and popular in Europe, in the scotch industry, because the blender is the one that actually creates the magic, right? Even though the master distiller is the one creating the liquid that goes into the barrel, the blender is the one that's deciding how to mix those to a profile. Mm Mm-hmm
1: yeah very celebrated um you'll i believe you'll see that are more women are master blenders than men are it's it's a fact that women have better taste than men
0: yeah i don't know why it is but they just do they have more more sensory capability than we do
1: yeah um simply amazing and some of the stuff they can put out is just amazing, um, so that that's that's the labels. Make sure you're paying attention to your labels and understanding what you're drinking. Uh, in today's age, there's no reason not to know. There's yeah. plenty of information out
0: there. And, and to Adam's point, a non-distilling producers are not distilling their own liquid. They're buying their liquid from somebody else. They're, in many cases, buying multiple barrels, deciding how to blend those together to achieve. The best result in some cases they're simply bottling single barrels so it, it can vary and some of them are actually re and producing barrel finishes
1: yeah that's absolutely true and now we're not saying don't go out there and buy those there's the two i mentioned old carter and and foregate um, phenomenal whiskeys yeah just really good super whiskies. beautiful and stuff and that kind of comes in a Adam's second question. Uh, he said, also, maybe y'all take on the surge of finished bourbons. Feels like everyone has jumped on that train. I'd like to see distillers focus on more solid and well-done bourbons without the finishes.
0: Fair enough. I mean, there are um, different schools of thought on that, obviously. Um, you know, bur- There, there are people who feel more inclined to drink. They're more purist. They like bourbon to be bourbon, right? And and once you do a flavoring finish or a secondary finish on a bourbon, it's no longer truly a bourbon, is it? It's now a bourbon finished in this or finished in that. That's a whole other show, Jim. (laughs) I know it, but it's a different category. Yeah. Yeah. So what Adam's talking about is I think Adam prefers the true bourbon whiskey category. I don't know, because I've seen him post plenty about Four Gate. Yeah.
1: I think he likes his finished bourbon, but I think there's so many different people doing it. It is flooding the market. It's getting diluted a little bit. Maybe. And also, are they trying to mask something? You know, that's my, I always worry about it. What are you trying to hide? Um, or are you just trying to get on that train, like Adam said, and uh, be on that finished bourbon train? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not positive. You know, I always want to see bourbon. Just If you want to finish it, finish it in a secondary barrel. Yeah
0: toasted preferably. <laughs> yeah. You know, how how do I feel about it? I feel about it this way. Um as long as it's labeled correctly, as long as it's labeled that it is a bourbon finished in this or that or the other that it's under a different category, I'm okay with it. Um I typically don't drink finished bourbons. They're not my thing. Um I have enjoyed quite a few of them, but it's not my daily, you know. It's not it's not what I'm after on a daily basis. I kind of lean a little bit towards Adam there. I like well done traditional bourbons, but the, I've got nothing bad to say about those. They do make finished. I mean, Angels is knocking it out of the park. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, so four gate too. Yeah. Yes, people are hitting it home and stuff. Todd Ritter's got a question for us. Uh, he said bourbon prices are going up due to grain cost, barrel shortages. Bottle shortages and everything under the sun. How will that affect yours and Jim's purchasing?
0: I, I don't think it will. How, how have the gas prices affected your purchasing of gas? <sighs> it makes me cry every time I drive to the pump, Jim. Yeah, but, you know, I I, I I think that it hits some people hard. No doubt about it. Um, as the bourbon prices do increase, it becomes less and less easy to get your hands on some bottles at a fair price.
1: Yeah, I I look at it as a different thing, and I don't know if that's the right question for you and me, right? Um, Because it's rare now that we go and purchase a bottle
0: yeah we're not the right people to ask that question of uh because we're typically not buying bourbon well sometimes we are like i bought that jack daniels on last
1: week's review and i i do feel the strain at the gas pump because i do commute back and forth and my wife commutes back and forth and even mowing my grass i i look at that pump but i number one we don't purchase that much bourbon or really on a typical basis um, we won't buy a whole bunch of picks. It's just not what we do. Neither one of us, right? Um, and we're drinking somebody. We're probably drinking somebody else whiskey. To be fair, uh, you know that that's not a good question for us at all. Drew Allen, another moderator, had a question for us, Jim. Drew also wanted to know uh, the same thing with Adam. When will the non-distilling producers stop? I find myself not supporting them when I can support a craft that is producing
0: their own juice. It's a great question. I, you know, I think that, uh, personally you have to draw the line where you feel your money needs to go. When you open your wallet, if you don't feel good about buying a bottle from a non-distilling producer, I think that you have to follow your heart and do what's would do what you think is right. As far as I'm concerned, I'm always looking for the craft in the bottle and the craft doesn't necessarily have to be the craft in distilling. It can be the craft in blending. It can be the craft in finishing. I don't usually get too caught up in the story behind it or the marketing involved, but I am, I am bowled over by the liquid itself. And when the liquid's good, I usually don't worry about whether they're a non-distilling producer or not, if they've done a good job blending. And it's not just blending, Mike. I mean, blending is so important, as we know. You know, Ashley Barnes is, is a magician when it comes to blending whiskeys. Uh, uh,
1: amen, brother. Preach it. <laughs> but selecting barrels
0: is another art.
1: And that's, that's something she does, too, is selects barrels.
0: Right. Know? I mean, being able to select barrels and see how they might – do a job for you in the future. That's that's a pretty tough job. I mean, it's a it's a very important job. So the there is craft in blending. There is craft in barrel selection. Uh and I and I think that we have to give some credit to the NDPs where that's concerned.
1: Yeah, I I'm torn between both of them because here's the thing craft distilleries, and I said this of laws, right? Uh they're coming of age, right, Jim? You no, know, they're getting little long in the tooth where they can have that seven, eight, nine year, ten year old whiskey. Um and lots of it. Lots of it. And some of it is just simply amazing. Um so man, Drew, I, I agree with you, man. I, I I tend to think if I had to choose, I'd choose the craft distillery. But remember some of those um non distilling so cool. producers are going to become craft distilleries eventually. Right. Uh, You got to start somewhere. um, And if that's the only place you can start, you know, you got to raise that capital to build a distillery. You know, heck, the people doing it today aren't the first to do it that way. You know, we know that to be true, right, Jim?
0: Yeah, and some of the NDPs will never make their own stuff. I mean, that's just a fact. That's just the fact. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the NDPs will always be purchasing other people's whiskeys, blending it to their specification, bottling it, and putting it on the shelf. That that will always happen. So it really comes down to what's in the bottle, and if you believe it's worth the money that you're paying, and if it, it provides you that experience that you're looking for. And, uh, you know, some of them do and some of them don't. Let's just be fair about it. I'm with you. I'm not all about the damn story,
1: you know. Yeah. And we've had that discussion with some other podcasters out there who are, they probably want to have that discussion with us. We don't really care because, uh, you know, we are two bourbon bullshitters, right? That's right. Uh, and we can sniff out some bullshit. I mean, I like a good story.
0: Yeah. Who I like it? a good story,
1: but it's no substitute for what's in the bottle. Yeah. You can put the prettiest label on there. You can buy the nicest bottle. Um, but at the end of the day, if the whiskey, doesn't taste good in that bottle. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah, did you you bought a damn story in a bottle in a label? You didn't buy some whiskey. You got suckered.
0: Yep, that's what I gotta say. I tell you what's 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 amazing is when you have a distillery that goes through the the process of you know they decide that they want to they get their license they start out purchasing somebody else's distillate. Uh, aged already they put it in bottles they sell it it's a profile that they're proud of it's one that they they feel is what they want to do in the future and then they go down the road to distilling their own and bottling it and trying to put it out on the market as well and when it comes out when it's superior to what they had that they got from whether they purchased it's just amazing. And I, we've seen that. We've seen these distilleries that make better whiskey than the stuff that they sourced in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And, and and it just blows me away. It just blows me. I love it. I love seeing it. And, and you know, they have to make money in the process of growing. Now, some of them make vodka. Some of them buy other people's. I mean, it just fairies. Right? Yeah, it's not. It's a business. It's not a. This ain't a fans
1: group. It's a business when it comes down to whiskey. When people don't get into whiskey. You know, they do because they want to make good whiskey. But at the end of the day, they want to make money, too. Yeah. Um, they got families to feed. You know, they got – They're Still, trying to grow their business. to feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doug Keller's got another question for us, Jim. He said, is there any feature swag items coming out? I'll, I'll try to answer this. Okay, I'm usually that guy, right? Um, and I'm always looking for swag or anything else. I did go to a whiskey event last night. And I, I was like, man, me and Jim probably get behind this right now. A rocks glass that has the Bourbon Road logo on it. I think if enough people said that they would purchase that rocks glass, it's a rocks glass with a leather um, piece of leather wrapped around it. And it would have the Bourbon Road logo on it. If enough people said they would buy that from us. Pretty sharp. Oh, it's it's really really nice, and it's not just a piece of uh, stamped each individual letter. It will actually be a mold uh, or a die that they got to cast that has our logo on it. It stamps that leather stuff. Um, if enough people said, I think we would probably get behind that. And,
0: put and I think I think we have plans on coming out with the big bad booty daddy costume for <laughs> Halloween.
1: Well, so, at least a T-shirt, <laughs> or at least a T-shirt. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, swag's a. Tough thing, Doug. You know, um, it takes a lot of money to purchase that stuff and it hurts to sit on it for a while, doesn't it, Jim?
0: It does. And some things, some things um are popular and some things aren't. Um,
1: you know, another thing is is me and or Jim and I don't have a giant company behind us. It's uh, and for people that don't know this, Jim's son in law is the one that packs everything up and ships it out. Yep. Right. Um I go pick t-shirts up from a guy in town and uh, we get a made, and uh, we get our glasses. We do everything ourselves. It's, there's no big army behind us. It's just Jim and I. Yep. Um, and, and your son-in-law and Val and, and Viv. Yep. Yeah. It's not a giant corporation. Um, so swag's a tough thing, but that would be the piece of swag that I'd be looking for. Uh, we're always looking for sponsors and stuff like that. Um, but we're, we're pretty comfortable, I think. Yeah, I think we're doing fine. Yeah. All right. So Jim Sh- Sean Crum, that's Kimber's man. You know you know who Kimber is, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Might be a future guest on the show with Britt. Never can tell who's coming on the show, people. That's true. Um Sean wants to know, where do you see the industry heading? More finished products? Limited
0: releases? More mergers? Okay, so for me, I definitely see more finished products because the market is embracing that. Um, Even though maybe you and I, not so much, uh, I do think the market as a whole is embracing the finished products. And the reason I think that's true is because finished products um, open up the opportunity for more like wine drinkers and and beer drinkers to, to come into the bourbon realm. As far as... And single barrel selections and the whole idea behind doing picks and single barrels is going to continue to grow. I think it's a big market. I think it's going to continue to grow. I think barrel finishes are going to continue to grow. Uh, I don't see a lot of mergers happening right now, you know, in bourbon. I think that we're still in sort of a growth stage and not so much of a consolidation phase. I think if the market gets tough on bourbon, if other spirits start to become popular, tequila is is, is growing, right? Tequila is growing. Uh, if other bur- if other spirits start to get more popular, and there's uh, a little bit of downsizing in the bourbon market, then you will start to see consolidation. But as long as it's growing the way it is, I would expect to see new distilleries and a lot more variety. I could
1: see it a total different aspect. I like big beer companies that bought up a bunch of craft. Um, Breweries, back in the early like 2000s, right? Um, you you might see that in the whiskey industry, but it would take a deep recession or something, I think, to get to that point, um, to where the craft distillers are like, hey, you know, I can't afford to do this, and I got to give up. Um, you might see a big boy swoop in there where they're they're like, hey, I got to have more barrels, or I want to have another brand. Um, and see those mergers, but that's where I would see mergers going. I don't know big boys going out there and buying another big boy up.
0: You know? Yeah, I don't see a lot of that right now. I think that'll happen more if there's a, if there's a downturn in the market and there's some consolidation. But you know, always, and we've seen it, like with Lux Row, for example. You know, where a smaller distillery is going to get snapped up by a bigger distillery, uh, and to add to their portfolio, to give them more variety on the shelf, to give them shelf space or you might see an investment group like happen
1: in barstown, sure, absolutely uh, get purchased. He also asked um kind of back to our Monday review um came out about jack uh, daniels bond bonded with Jack releasing a product in seven hundred milliliters should we expect more to follow suit and is that a bad thing uh-um.
0: I believe that you can expect more of that. I think we'll see a lot more of that. And there's a number of reasons why that's true. I think you have some opinions on it. I certainly do. The world, the world outside of the U S is primarily 700 milliliter. Yep. Uh, Australia, Europe, the fact that we have to produce a 750 milliliter bottle in the U S to meet U S requirements um is kinda it's it's strange to start with. It's sort of like the whole English versus metric thing, right? Um but certainly companies that produce 700 mil bottles and 750 mil bottles have to be pulling their hair out going, why are we doing this? Yeah, I think Danny
1: Potter touched on that of you know, you gotta change up your bottling line. You gotta you gotta change up a lot. Um and then you look at the flip side of that of how much money a company can save not just in glass cost right that's true yeah but you take 50 milliliters off every bottle it don't take us a whole lot to start gaining some money and if you don't change your prices because a lot of consumers out there remember uh listeners that you're you're probably in the one percent if you're listening to this podcast of whiskey drinkers um most whiskey drinkers don't look at that label and even see how much liquid's in there they just see a bottle of whiskey up there and if you could tell me the difference between a 700 milliliter bottle and a 750 milliliter bottle i I can't
0: tell so how many people out there who grabbed a bottle of stella (laughs) beer yeah realized it was 11 ounces is it 11 ounces (laughs) it's 11 ounces (laughs) i can't (laughs) tell people don't know so it's kind of the same thing um but you know i don't know that that's so much the reason i mean it's not necessarily the reason why to go to 700 i think the primary reason to go to 700 is so you don't have a 700 and a 750 yeah oh yeah i agree with you there yeah but the the cost savings gotta be
1: significant if you're jack daniels Mm -hmm. we're not talking you know like $5. We're talking millions and millions, millions and millions of dollars. of dollars.
0: That's right. Same thing with Jim Beam. Simplifies it, reduces the number of SKUs. I mean, it's it's just a better thing all the way around. And and you know, honestly, it, it, in some cases you may need a separate label for a seven. You do need a separate label for a 700 versus a 750. So it's not just the bottle itself, but it's the label as well and the cases and everything else that goes into it. Hmm.
1: Andrew Nelson ask, what does the landscape of bourbon look like and can it sustain the growth and success
0: so they've proven that they can sustain the growth it's it's already proven now are there unicorns is there allocation in the market absolutely it's uh it can be very difficult to get your hands on certain products but as a whole has anybody not been able to get bourbon you can get bourbon yeah you can get bourbon so what's the, what's the landscape look like i think i think distilleries are going to continue to increase production and be able to meet the demands of of the of the drinking public i i don't think that we're going to see a downturn in the market until there's a change in the way of thinking you know it, it, for example in the in the 70s 60s 70s and 80s as people turned to clear spirits instead of uh, aged spirits, barely spirits, you know, whiskeys found themselves in trouble. Can that happen again? Absolutely. It all depends on the trends at the moment.
1: Yeah, right now we're just in a brown spirits world. That's and, right. And for Jim and I, it looks a little different because we live in the heart of bourbon country. Mm-hmm. You can't go anywhere in Kentucky and not have some bourbon at your hands. Um, but I, I, I don't know where the growth can stop um, because you see new distilleries open up all the time. The money is there.
0: Yeah, Um, Trends change, and they're kind of cyclic, right? Things kind of go in circles sometimes. So I would fully expect at some point there to be a downturn in the whiskey market, and somebody else is going to become the winner for a while. Yeah,
1: Yeah. How does bourbon stay relevant? you know marketing's all about that and yeah. if the one thing i would say if these distilleries don't market themselves properly um, and piss off the consumer you know that can happen and they turn to vodka or they turn To tequila. It turned to wine. Um, it's you're right, it is trendy. You know, what's trendy trendy at the time?
0: And then nobody could predict it. If we could, we would all be investing in something else different right now. We don't know what that is. Mike, I wanted to mention, by the way, that um I just poured a little bit of this Blantons that you put out. It's a pretty special bottle. It is. (laughs) My glass is empty. Yeah, you need a little bit of this. (laughs) This is not just a regular bottle of blantons, though. What are we sipping on, Mike? This is a uh, 2019
1: straight-from-the-barrel blends.
0: Yeah, straight-from-the-barrel. What's the proof on it? 125.6. <sighs>
1: Yeehaw. Our good friend Brian Hyatt is the reason I have this bottle right here. And I traded him one of the very first peerless bottles for this. Well, it was a pretty damn good trade.
0: I think he did well.
1: And, and he and Took us to Churchill Downs. He did. That's true. <laughs> so, Brian, if you're listening, man, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this is this bottle has been on the show several times, <laughs> and you can see it. It. I'm savoring this one.
0: Yeah, and you know, Mike, this has been a pretty epic show. We've had three phenomenal bourbons on this show. This is certainly one of them. Now, Blanton's is. Uh, there's some haters out there. Yeah, but you can't hate this one.
1: I don't really think you can hate any of them, really. The,
0: yeah, this one here is, is full of uh, baking spices and caramel, and it's got that brown, sugary goodness. It's sweet. It's strong. It's 120-some-odd proof. Would you consider this a unicorn? Um, for In the U.S., yes. Yeah, I would, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Now, you can get this pretty handily overseas. By the way, this has got this second N on it. Yeah. It's got the end semicolon. We asked that before
1: for a giveaway. Andrew's got another question. He said, uh, are craft distilleries the answer to allocation with the success of several craft distilleries and usually being more available? I've stopped looking for unicorns.
0: The answer is they can be. And particularly if if you're in that mindset, if you're that person that says, you know what? I'm tired of chasing bottles. And I just want to find something different every f- week or so from a craft distillery.
1: I, Andrew, I, you're spot on with that. I think they are, like Jim said, they are the answer to allocation. They are the answer to unicorns. I see more people looking at their local distilleries and become super fans and lining up around the block to get anything that's special that comes out
0: of them. Yeah, you know, sometimes Mike and I all go to a bar and and we get recognized or the bartender wants to turn us on to a nice pour or something like that. And they'll say, you can have anything on the shelf. And Mike, are you are you asking for the Pappy? Or you, <laughs> or, or like for for example, I'm always looking for that bottle I've never had before.
1: Yeah, I'm always looking for something new. If I see something I've never had before, I've had Pappy. Well, I don't have it in my house. Now, like I've always said, if you're a listener out there and you got several bottles, you won't sit Gemini one will gladly take one off your hands, but I'm not going to go hunt it. What I'm hunting for is something we haven't had before.
0: Something with that that new profile, something out of the box, something different that we haven't been able to experience before. And- Quite often, we get to experience that, and I love it. It's always a great day. So usually when that bartender will offer us that pour, that any pour on the bar, I'm not going for the big bottles. I'm going for something I haven't had before.
1: Yeah, spot on, Jim.
0: So one more question. I think, Jim,
1: we got enough time for one more question. Yeah, one more. So this is from our good buddy, James Ewan, down in Australia. So James's question is – Round the continuous reduction in proof internationally. Yes, I know it's related to our tax system here in Australia, and distilleries want to remain competitive. It, however, comes at an expense of taste, and I really want to know whether the master distillers, A, know about this, and B, are happy about, and C, whether they agree with the practice. Good Lord, that's a long question.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, though. And, and you know, quite honestly, the, the folks in Australia have to deal with that. Um, you know, their proofing laws down there are quite different than, than here in the U.S. And their, their whiskeys are getting proofed down uh, as a matter of law. To answer that question truthfully, we'd have to go and ask that of a master distiller. But I think it's fair to say they probably know. They know what's happening. I think they know what's happening. They may not be happy about it, but there's not a lot they can do about it, right? I feel like um, anytime you add water to whiskey beyond a certain point, you're going to dilute the flavor.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I always say US drinkers uh, drink it at a higher proof. Um, but I was at the bar the other night and I ordered a cast drink whiskey. And people all looked at me and were like, how can you drink that? Um, so, once again, we're here in Kentucky and we love our cast drink stuff, right, Jim? We do. Um, I think cast drink whiskeys will come to you eventually. Um, can you get them down there? Obviously, you can, but. Uh, They do come at a cost and a tax, and that's kind of out of the distiller's hands. It's not like they're not fighting that every day, day though, right, Jim?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, you know, they just have to live with it, the laws and the bounds of, you know, where they have to do business. And unfortunately, you know, I, I would say it's a struggle in Australia.
1: Now, I would say to our listeners out there, if you're going to Australia, pack a cash strength whiskey in your bag pay James a visit, bring him a bottle. I think James would appreciate that. He'd probably break out the barbecue. You think he would? I think he loves the barbecue. (laughs) Uh, I know that. Um, So, listeners, I want to thank everybody that submitted questions. I know some questions didn't make the show. Um, We can only get to so many this time around, but I'd like to do this again, Jim. Yeah, I
0: think we should do it more often. I think once a year. Uh, is good i think maybe every now and then we should try to maybe bump it up a little bit we do twice a year yeah yeah
1: but some great questions listeners i got a giveaway for you and uh this supports a great cause out there uh i got this company called wiggle wow now wiggle wow is a company that makes dog treats and jim and i both have uh some amazing pets uh Woodrow, the Whiskey Dog, the Wonder Lab, whatever you want to call him, uh, Farm Dog. Uh, he loves these things. Uh, these are made uh, by folks with special needs, uh, young men and women. Uh, they're going and making these. Um, I want you to check it out. So you can find their dog treats at WiggleWow.com. And in distilleries, you can also find these cool little uh Dog treats that look like whiskey bottles, right, Jim?
0: Yeah. I mean, amazingly, uh, a play on the names, right? Yeah. Uh, So in front of me, I got a Jim
1: Bone. Jim Beam, right? Uh, Maker's Bark. That's pretty cool. Maker's Bark. Uh, Four Noses. That's pretty cool. And uh, we got Woodford. (laughs) Woodford. Reserve. (laughs) Woodford. (laughs) Woodford. So listeners, what I'm going to do, what Jim and I are going to do is uh, I'll give you one of these cookies for your dog, plus a sample of each one of these bourbons. I do some pretty big samples, don't I, Jim? You do. So some four-ounce samples of uh, Jim Beam. I'll pull a special one off the shelf. I'm not saying it's going to be the regular Jim Beam. I'll do a special one of that. A special Maker's Mark, a special Four Roses. I have a pretty special one. And a special Woodford Reserve uh, sample for you. Plus these four um, dog treats. And I'll throw in a bag of the Wiggle Wow uh, dog treats for you uh, from our good friends there that provided these whiskey bottles. And, uh, like I said, this does support uh, folks that have special needs on the back of each bag. You'll get to see who made it. The one I'm holding in my hand right now is Emily. Uh, She likes basketball, bowling, softball, animals, swimming, and exercise. Uh, She likes to volunteer a lot and stuff. Um, She volunteers at the Woodstock animal foundation of Kentucky humane society. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh,
0: So what, so what do they have to do to
1: qualify to win this? So you, on the day of this release, uh, we would like you to go ahead and give us a follow. Follow Wiggle Wow, if you would, please. Uh, show us that you followed them. And then also, uh, let's go ahead and do, say, hashtag
0: Wiggle Wow and hashtag Your Bourbon Your Way. Okay. Hashtag. And this is on the day of the release of this episode. There'll be a post on Instagram. Yes, go into that post about this episode. Make sure that you have followed Wiggle Wow and then make a post in there and say, and hashtag Wiggle Wow and your bourbon your way. Those are the two hashtags. Yes, sir. You qualify to win. Nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time tonight.
1: Why I doing it for 9 o'clock, Jim? Because I got to go to bed. Mm -hmm. I did it 10 o'clock last week, and I regretted it because I stayed up until 10 o'clock. And then it takes an extra like 15 minutes to get everything done. So, 9 o'clock, do those two hashtags. Follow us. Follow Wiggle Wow. We would appreciate it. Um, And that's a pretty good giveaway. And it's not
0: the first person that enters it. You're going to take everybody who's entered it throughout the entire day. Put a randomizer. Throw them into a randomizer, and one of them is going to win it. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Mike, where can people find us on the internet? So you can find
1: us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Um, we're all over the place. Our main place is on Facebook um, or our website. We got a pretty cool website. Jim. I think so. I love it, man. We got the best website whiskey. I think um, our designer. I don't know who that guy I is. I have no <laughs> clue, but he did a decent job. He does a great job. Uh, check all that out. Um, Check out our Facebook group, the Bourbon Roadies on Facebook. You got to be 21. You got to love bourbon. um, And you got to agree to play nice. I mean, that's pretty easy. We don't tolerate any rudeness in there. Our moderators will cut you off at the knees. Um, Visit our website, check out our blogs. I promise you, I'm going to have a blog for you this week. Uh, I got some thoughts coming up. It'll just be some random thoughts this week, though. Cool. Um, So I will do a blog this week. I'll try to get Jim on time. Um, And we got our swag on there. Our swag is what gets us down the bourbon road. It gets us to visit distilleries. It gets us to do bourbon picks, which people are asking for. It it helps us out. So go in there and support this veteran-owned and operated podcast.
0: All right, we do two shows every week. Every week we'll do a Monday episode called our craft distillery episode where we review a single bottle, a single expression from a craft distillery or somebody, sometimes a big boy, uh, doing good work. And we'll let you know about that expression, whether we think you should add it to your bar or not. This last week we did um, Jack Daniel's new bonded Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> pretty badass whiskey. I thought it was pretty decent. We, we said you should add it to your bar. Yeah but every wednesday we'll do a full-length episode like today we'll deep dive a subject this week's episode was on listener questions sometimes we'll go to a distillery have some guests on have some music have an author on we're always mixing it up always making something good happen we want to make sure you listen to both shows every single week and there is a way that you can make sure that you don't miss a single episode and mike What do they need to do? Well, you need to scroll
1: on up to that app that you're listening to right now. Hit that plus sign that checks that subscribe sign. Um, That app will let you know hey, these two jokers have an episode coming out today, or it's come out. It'll get you to work and back, or maybe just get you to work. Depends on what episode you're listening to. But then we need you to scroll on down, hit that five-star review, and leave some comments. We would love that. You know what I'm going to say. If you don't, the big, bad, booty daddy of bourbon will come to your house. Hell, he might even bring the birthday bourbon. The barrel strength straight from the barrel blends. And that old fits nine year to your house, drink all night long Two of those bottles, probably do a bottle kill on, but by the end of the night, you're going to leave that five-star review. I'll have you laughing. Uh, You'll leave us that five-star review and some comments, but seriously, those five-star reviews and those comments open the doors to distilleries to us, get great bottle in Gemini's hands to do great reviews on. So you'll be educated about whiskey Uh, We would appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, Mike and I are very approachable. We want to make sure that you understand that and you're willing to jump on our website. Get to that Contact Us page. Let Mike and I know what you think about the show. If you've got an idea for a guest or a bottle, make sure you let us know. You can also send us an email. I'm Jim at TheBourbonRoad.com. He's Mike at TheBourbonRoad.com. Like we always say. Hit up our DMs on Instagram. I'm Jay Shannon, sixty three. I'm Big Bourbon Chief. I will see you down the Bourbon Room.